0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: People are trying to get as highly levered as possible and they're taking out bridge loans and putting on PREF or MEZ and they're levering up to 90%. And I think that could be a monumental failure for a lot of syndicators.
0: system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate, and Follow-Up Boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors, and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The Follow-Up Boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place and if you need help they got you covered follow up boss offers experts seven days a week you can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process best ever listeners they're treating you extra special you get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up mark your calendars for the best ever conference february 24th through 26th back in person at the gaylord rockies convention center join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships and quite frankly having a lot of fun As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Sam Bates. Sam is joining us from Dallas, Texas, he is the founder and CEO of Bates Capital Group, which has $190 million of assets under management. Sam has a 12-year track record of real estate investing experience. Sam, thank you for joining us, and how are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Ash. Thank you for having me and looking forward to discussing real estate with you.
2: Yeah, it's our pleasure. Sam, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Yeah, definitely. From an early age, I was always... Intrigued by money, and started investing when I was eleven or twelve with the help of my grandpa. And then I went and got my undergrad in finance, worked at EBS as an investment analyst, and thought I was going to do that for the rest of my career. I decided to go back and get my master's in personal financial planning, and I got an MBA during that time period. And I quickly realized that the financial planning route—they said they're fiduciaries, but they aren't. They just stick people in the same investments, or at least back then, if they had 250000 or $10 million. And then after the stock market crashed in 08, I realized I needed to find another avenue and I started investing in real estate. And I love real estate just because you can truly add alpha. People in stocks and equities, they talk about adding alpha, but I feel like buying assets or developing assets, you can truly add that return that people can't get in investment. And I think that's why syndications and private placements are so great. So now we're focusing on acquisitions, developments on multifamily. We develop single family. We do lot developments. We do a lot of different things. We've owned some commercials, RV parks. So just anything where we can find value, we'll look at it.
2: That's a lot of ammunition you just gave me. Can you explain to our best ever listeners what adding alpha is? Or chasing alpha?
1: Yeah, chasing alpha is basically providing more of a return than what the index or the market can give. And the higher the alpha on a stock, the higher the return probability is, but also the higher essentially the volatility is. But I think with real estate, you can correlate it, especially if you have a stock portfolio, you can correlate it where it's actually more diversified and create higher returns than you might just with, A regular mutual fund or ETF portfolio.
2: Thank you. Sam, can you give me an idea of the timeline from when you got into the finance industry? How many years later was it that you got into real estate?
1: I started in 2005 at UBS and then I got my master's and I was in consulting actually doing tax consulting and optimizing business operations for a few years. And I started investing As a limited partner in 2009, then did a lot of single-family homes on my own. The birth strategy, fix and flip, I did a development, and I realized you couldn't scale in single-family like you can in multifamily, so I transitioned to multifamily as a general partner in 2016 and have been doing it for six years.
2: Got it. And Sam, you walked away from a pretty lucrative future in banking, being a personal financial planner very well educated. Was that a hard decision to leave all of that behind?
1: It was, but at the same time, I didn't feel fulfilled, honestly. And I knew that there had to be a better way to, I won't say make a living, but just to enjoy life and to make an impact. Ever since I was little, I've always wanted to make an impact. And I grew up on a farm where everybody in the community was farmers or very blue collar people. So I didn't quite understand business at that time. And I always thought you only could make an impact being in the medical field. So for a long time I thought I'd be a doctor, but now I've realized that the US and really the world in general needs a large helping hand with financial literacy. And we don't get that from our educational systems. And luckily now with podcasts like yours and all these other podcasts I've popped up in educational platforms, people are getting more educated on how to invest. But the mass majority of people still have no clue on how to invest. And I love being able to share my wisdom about real estate or other private placements that they don't know anything about.
2: And Sam, I'm glad you shared the issue with being a fiduciary. I've had the luxury of interviewing a number of former financial advisors, planners, and I always ask them when you were in the finance industry, you found out how great real estate investing is, why didn't you recommend that type of investing to your clients? And most of them right off the tip of their tongue will tell you because there is no way for them to make money on it. There's no kickbacks. There's no instruments where they get bonused on how many real estate investments they put their clients in. So what a huge gap that they have there.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the case. I think They don't get compensated, so they're not going to recommend clients into that. And also, and this was myself when I was a financial analyst, most of them don't understand real estate. (laughs) Financial advisors are glorified salespeople, and they're trying to push a product, sell a product, and every sales position has numbers they have to hit, and financial advisors have to hit different numbers, and I saw... 15 to 20 people will get fired because they weren't hitting numbers in a couple of years. So it's more about meeting those goals and objectives and truly doing what's right for the client. Unless you own your own RIA or small investing firm, but the big brokers, it's all about numbers.
2: Just turning and burning. Exactly. Yeah. Did you leave your career after you became successful in real estate or were you in the beginning phases of it?
1: I left it after, I spent 12 years basically in corporate America and I was doing it in tandem. So after grad school, I worked at a consulting job for five years. And then I worked at an energy company for five to six years doing tax planning, tax strategy, business optimization. And concurrently I was investing in real estate because I didn't want to stay in tax for the rest of my career. And I saw how lucrative real estate could be. I saw the freedom it gives and When I say freedom, I don't necessarily mean time freedom. I spend as much time working in my business now as I do than ever, but I'm spending two months in Colorado where if I had a job, I couldn't do that. And it just gives you a lot of flexibility and you get to make an impact. And hopefully the investors that you bring up and essentially create a better life for them will also help invest in different organizations or charities or whatever that they think is worthwhile and suits them.
2: Sam, a great little nugget of knowledge there. A lot of people might have the misconception that if you get into real estate, you can work a lot less, but most of the people that I know work a lot more than they did in the corporate grind, but it's just a lot more fulfilling, a lot more satisfaction.
1: I completely agree. I think a lot of the quote unquote, gurus or people that are trying to sell a program, say you just have to work two hours a week or five hours a week or whatever. And maybe you can do that if you have a portfolio when it's stabilized. But I feel like if you have investor money, it's your fiduciary duty to make sure you're getting the best return and also want to grow the business and grow the company. So I've worked a lot, but I enjoy it. And I'll tell anybody that if they're wanting to get into real estate, Don't get in it for just the money because you aren't going to make money right away and you should follow your passion and follow whatever you like and enjoy because you're going to spend in 50, 60, 70 hours a week, maybe on working whatever business or career you decide.
2: Yeah. We've both been in real estate for over 10 years and we've seen those people that did it for the wrong reasons, not have the staying power. You truly have to be passionate about this to make it a success. So yeah, great point. Did any of your former financial colleagues defect with you into real estate?
1: (laughs) Not to my knowledge, but I've had quite a few different former colleagues and clients invest with me as a limited partner. So they're still doing their W-2 and either finance job or accounting tax job, but they've started to invest with me. And I think it just shows it's interesting how some financial advisors will invest with me, but they're telling their clients to invest in the stock market.
2: I introduced a really good friend of mine who is a very successful financial advisor. And I told him about Joe Fairless and the syndications that I'm investing in. And this is years ago. And I just made an introduction. They had a meeting and my buddy calls me and he says, wow, what an incredible opportunity. And I said, are you going to put your client's money in it? And he says, Ash, I have no way to get paid on these deals, but I'll put my own money in it. So yeah, good point. I got to ask you, so you have $190 million of assets under management, and all we've talked about is you investing in a couple of single families and a syndication. So if you don't mind, give me the journey of how you got here.
1: Well, I started looking for multifamily back in 2014. And for the first year and a half, for two years, we weren't winning any deals and we were told that we were too young because at that time I was late 20s, early 30s, something like that. And they didn't trust that we could close. So after about two years of banging my head against the wall, I partnered up with a couple of guys. One had development experience and our first syndication was a mixed use development of 60 apartment units and 10,000 square feet of retail space. And that went really well. And since then, I've been a general partner on 14 projects, mainly multifamily, but some, as I mentioned earlier, just different asset classes, mainly in Texas and throughout the Southeast.
2: What types of asset classes?
1: Mostly apartments and multifamily. I have 1,025 units of multifamily throughout Texas and the Southeast, but we have done that commercial development. We've done some lot developments. I just bought into a company that they build about 150 homes a year. And we're going to try to scale it to a thousand homes over five years. So just dipping my hand in different pots to diversify and hopefully give myself and the investors more diversification than just investing in the standard BC class multifamily acquisition.
2: Well, let me play devil's advocate. What do you say to those people that tell you to be hyper-focused on one thing? you're all over the place.
1: Yeah. Well, I think real estate, especially multifamily acquisition and development is very similar. So if you understand the details, you can understand from a high level, but I've always surrounded myself with great partners. I have four partners that one's been a developer for almost 30 years. One was in PE and worked in tax with financial institutions. One is attorney and used to work in private equity. My other partner is an investment banker. So we bring a wealth of knowledge and I feel like there's not one thing we can't figure out. And I know it's good to focus. They say the riches are in the niches, but at the same time, I feel like we can look at other asset classes. And one of our developments, we forex our money and on an acquisition, you aren't going to do that in today's day and age.
2: I agree with you hundred percent. I will look at anything that makes money. I don't care if it's real estate or a startup or anything. So I agree with you. You mentioned in 2014, you weren't winning any multifamily deals. Looking back with all of your experience now, why was that? What were you doing wrong?
1: two things. They always say the first deal is the hardest to get. And I will say that because you don't have a track record. Brokers aren't going to take a chance on you. And then also back in 14, the masses were saying we could have a correction in 16 or 17. So I've always been conservative and that's why we only take down a couple deals a year. But my underwriting was very conservative back then. And if I could have just knew what from 14 to now would have held Hindsight's 2020, 20, but we were looking at deals in DFW for thirty to fifty thousand. We thought that was high. And now those same deals are probably trading at 150.
2: Well, you weren't alone. A lot of people had the same fear of an economic collapse or recession, but you got over that. If you were to give some of the best ever listeners advice that are looking for their first deal and you don't want them to repeat what you did, what would you tell them?
1: I think you need to be obviously tenacious because you're going to have pitfalls and you're going to have struggles that you have to jump over. But I think what we didn't do and I wish we would have done was to talk to experienced people. We were doing a lot of underwriting with roll of thumbs. And it just wasn't working. And I think if we could have tweaked our underwriting and reduced expenses or increase income a little bit more, not be as conservative as we were, we probably would have got several deals that year. But I'm glad because I've been able to get into development. And I think if I would have got a few acquisitions, I would have never gotten development. I would have never met a couple of my partners that has changed my work life by far for the best.
0: We'll get back to the show with but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you wanna start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years Now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe, J O E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J O E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. Investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags.
2: Sam, your first deal was a big development deal. Can you walk us through that?
1: Yes. We did a 60-unit apartment and 10,000 square feet of retail space. We sold off the retail space pretty much a year and a day after it was occupied just to pay long-term capital gains instead of short-term capital gains. But we still have the 60-unit apartment. It's in Kerrville, Texas, and it's been a phenomenal deal. During the development process, there was a lot of struggles. That year, or during the development phase, it rained a significant amount. So it postponed some of the development timelines we had. We had to fire A contractor, we had to fire a property manager. There's just a lot of hurdles we had to cross. But once we provided a great return to our investors on the commercial side, and then we refinanced and provided our investors over 100% of their initial capital back, and now it's cash flowing. And we'll probably hold on to it for another 10 or 15 years and just continue to cash flow. And it's in a very stable market, it's in a market that has a high demand for apartments. So we're always at 98 to 100% occupied, and that's a very easy asset to manage.
2: What was the time difference between when investors funded the deal to when they got 100% of their money back?
1: That's actually a good question. They funded probably in March or April of 16, and then we sold the commercial deal in July of 18, and then we refinanced the apartment in November of 18. So two and a half years or so.
2: How did you find tenants for the commercial property?
1: Luckily had two tenants before we built it out. We built a suit for Keller Williams and it was a triple net lease. And then a gym, it was going to be a anytime fitness gym, but the owner of that decided to back out. So we brought in another gym and it was also a triple net and we had leases and we had gradual rental increases per square foot over every couple of years. And we were planning on holding on to it for five to seven years, but we got an offer that met our seven-year projection. So we felt like it was a good time to sell.
2: So Sam, you guys profited tremendously by selling brand new commercial units with fresh leases in them. Why not do more of that?
1: That's not our bread and butter. The Keller Williams, triple net leases. We've done a couple of them and those have fallen into our laps, but nobody on our team is out there looking for retail clients or retail land. I'm more of a multifamily expert, so we'll do it. We've built office buildings. We've built medical complexes, but it's usually when the tenants reach out to us.
2: And when you say Keller Williams, was it Keller Williams Realty or they had a client for you?
1: It was Keller Williams Realty. Okay. They, they set up, up a, an office there. Yeah, they set up an office. Got um, it. In the building.
2: And right now, while Multifamily is trading at very low cap rates, why not consider selling?
1: We've actually sold four or five deals in the last couple months. I think it depends on the whole period. We just sold a deal last Friday that we held two years. We were planning on holding five years, but. We were able to do a 54% IRR to our investors, so it made sense. But there's some other deals we've done with joint venture partners that we knew from the get-go they were going to be legacy assets that will hold 10, 20, 30 years. So I think it just depends on the plan and who your investors are. When you do syndications, it's harder to hold longer. When you have 30 or 40 investors or 100 investors, obviously everybody has different ideas and conflicting Ideas. So usually syndications are being held for a lot shorter duration than maybe a joint venture or something that you do on your own. But I was actually reading an article this morning that's saying experts are predicting most real estate deals to be held for double or triple the time that they have currently been just because inflation and the unevenness or unknowing of what the future might be.
2: Sam, a crazy mixed-use development, a huge project. How did you get investors for that?
1: That was by far probably the most difficult raise we've had. But we went to friends, business colleagues, a couple family members, all of us that were the GPs in that deal. We had a 10-year track record or longer of experience as a professional, and we had built credibility in the other industries where they felt like they could trust us with their money and it paid dividends. And I think we've compensated them, reimbursed them significantly for it. And on that deal, we didn't take any fees. We didn't even take an asset management fee. The split was 80-20. So it was very favorable to the investors.
2: The split was 80-20 to the LPs. Yes. Was there a preferred return?
1: No, there's no preferred return, but there wasn't an acquisition fee, a development fee, asset management fee. We did the construction at cost. So it was very investor friendly.
2: Have you continued to use that model in the future or has it changed?
1: We've done a lot. Our structures change significantly depending on each deal. We've done joint ventures where it's 50 50 splits. We've done 80 20s with no pref. We've done 70 30 with a pref. We've done 6040 with a pref it just kind of depends on the structure of the deal.
2: Yeah, so that's a very impressive property that you guys built. What were some of the hard lessons you learned?
1: I think the hardest lesson was it was 5 hours away from us. So, not working with new people that you hadn't trusted or had a relationship with before, even though they're recommended, they didn't turn out to be what they said. The first property management company we fired because we found out she was in, essentially embezzling from us. We were going to give her a lease-up bonus, but she took it before we gave it to her. And she took it without asking. And she just took it from our operation funds. So we had to fire her for that. Um, there's just a lot of lessons. And the cable issue, the property management company was going to take care of. We learned that they didn't take care of it. So we had to go and reach out to the cable provider and is probably a 60 day back and forth that occurred during the lease up. And it should have been done before the lease up. So there was just a lot of things where we learned that we needed to have better controls, better checklists to make sure everything was getting done on time and accordingly to plan.
2: Would you develop a mixed use building again?
1: Oh yeah. At least half of my projects have been developments. We have four development in our pipeline this year. Um, All of them are multifamily, except one, which is multifamily and single-family subdivision. But if a mixed-use development came open, I'd definitely entertain it.
2: All right, Sam, you were skeptical about the economy four years ago. You have to be more skeptical today. And how are you preparing for what could come?
1: That's a really good question. And I wish I had a crystal ball. Back then, I was probably more skeptical, honestly, than I am now because I just didn't know as much as I know now. And with the Fed and then the other governments around the world printing forty trillion million in the last couple of years, I don't know how the economy is going to go in the future. I think a lot is going to depend on the midterm elections and then maybe even the election in 2024. I've listened to a lot of experts and some think that we're going to go through a continued expansion till maybe the end of the twenties, which that just seems crazy since we've been in an expansionary time, basically since 08 to 11 to have 20 years of good times is hard to believe. So I'm not going to predict if it's going to crash or not, but to answer your question on how to hedge against it. I've become very selective in the acquisitions. I think people that are paying three or three and a half caps on 1970s and 80s deals, they could get taken out if the tide changes. We're focusing more on developments and people say that developments are risky, but I could easily argue it's a lot less risky and we de-risk the investments when we can build at seven or eight or nine caps and sell at four or five caps or even three caps in some markets. So. I think you just have to be cognizant. You have to be a fiduciary and pay attention to the markets. And each market is different. Dallas is different than Atlanta. Those are two of the markets we invest in. So I think you just have to have intimate knowledge of each market. And one thing I've learned over the years is it's happening a lot now is people are trying to get as highly levered as possible and they're taking out bridge loans and putting on PREF or MEZ and they're levering up to 90%. And I think that could be a monumental failure for a lot of syndicators. So trying to have the right debt and just making sure you can cash flow throughout any correction.
2: Sam, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: That's tough. There's so much. I would say be educated and surround yourself by great people and experienced people and just be passionate and focused and if you stay focused and surround yourself by great people you can do some great things
2: sam are you ready for the best ever lightning round yes i am all right sam what's the best ever book you recently read
1: the most recent book that i think's changed my life is who not how and i've always been a person that's a doer and now i've realized i can't keep doing everything if i want to grow and expand so We've brought in a lot of employees over the last six to 12 months, and it's taken a lot off my plate where I can focus on the $2,000 an hour task or $250,000 an hour task instead of $15 an hour task.
2: And Sam, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
1: There's a lot of different charities that I like to give back to. I'm a Christian, so I've support the church that I go to, but also there's a friend from high school and then some nonprofits that I've met in Dallas that focus on a lot of different areas, economic empowerment, child slavery, women's slavery, expanding the gospel. So I give back in a lot of those ways. And then also talk to people who are interested in real estate. I know everybody has to start somewhere. And when I started Back in 08 or 09, reading books, I knew nothing about real estate. So I like to help people expand their horizons.
2: Sam, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
1: You can reach me at basecapitalgroup.com or my email, sam at basecapitalgroup.com.
2: Sam, thank you again for sharing your story with us. Coming from the financial industry, having your master's degree, being a personal financial planner, and then finding real estate and having $190 million of assets under management thank you again.
1: Thank you for having me. And it was a pleasure.
2: Best ever listeners. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Please also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.